0: Oh stop, please stop, please stop, no more, okay, we have a little piece of business to do, Um, would you two stand up please? For the first time in human history, I present to you, Mr. and Mrs., Emily and Ben Mester. There you go. Love you guys. Right? Yeah, we had uh, we did the wedding what, was two two weeks ago. It feels like two weeks ago. It was really fun. It's really newlyweds. Nothing like them. Okay. Um, Shelley asked me to announce the two oh one. Which is taking place soon, and you'll see it. Words about it. Oh, there it is. Two o one becoming October the second. Five habits to know and enjoy God, and she and I are teaching that. And we welcome you to that if you haven't taken it. It's really really good. Fundamentals, foundational truths and practices. Anyway, that's for Shelley. I did what you asked me to do. Marky, good husband. Happy wife. I hate that. It, I hate it because it's true. And it always comes back on us, right? We we've got to make sure our wives are, are happy. And and in return, when they're happy, everybody's happy. All right. Holy Spirit series. Is power optional? Is power optional? Because, very sadly, much of the church has treated the power of God as something optional. Not a necessity, but an add-on. And that has created a terrible problem. And at the root of that problem is a misunderstanding, uh, I think, of Scripture, a misunderstanding of the Trinity. Last week, John cited these statistics. And when I first saw them a number of months ago, it grieved my spirit deeply grieve me deeply to the core. Research shows that more than 60% of American pastors don't believe the Holy Spirit is real. Don't believe the Holy Spirit is real. They take him as a metaphor for God's power. But they don't honor him. Now what's interesting that John didn't mention is that that same 60%, in fact it's over 60%, not only do they not believe that the Holy Spirit is real, they don't believe Satan is real. So, very interestingly, they have discounted the problem, and they have discounted the solution. When, when you say that, that you know, Satan's not, not real, what you're saying is that all sin is merely the consequence of bad human choices, which can then be remedied with good human choices. You got it? So that means God is really not, really not necessary. If we're the problem and there's nothing supercharging our bad choices, then we just need to make better choices. And of course, we're, we're capable of doing that. We can just read the principles in the Word and apply the principles in the Word and everything's going to be fine. But did you know that to apply the principles in the Word, you need some power? Need no because power. Well, you need something, Ron. You need something, something that's greater than your selfishness. You need something at work that's stronger than your propensity to keep on doing dumb things. So they discounted the source of the problem, they discounted the solution. What we have left with, what we are left with is a form of religion that denies the need for God's power over evil in our lives. It results in a religion without power. And that has nothing to protect us from the power of evil it becomes a religion based on human ability potential potential and reasoning and the apostle paul sums it up just like this this is interesting to me that he's looking forward in time prophetically to what he calls the last days well here's paul's description of the last days mark this there will be terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves You know, in the 1980s, the new magazine was launched. It was called Self. Yeah. That's just one of those little harbingers of change. Selfishness, self-focus. They'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Well, we certainly don't have that problem in America, do we? Not that. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's the summation. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That when you discount the Holy Spirit and the need for Him, you end up with the kind of religion about God, but you don't have the power of God. You're in deep, deep, deep trouble. And, and frankly, and you know, I, I don't take any pleasure in being critical, but if we're not critical with ourselves and we won't look at ourselves, we'll never get better. You know what they say, the first step of change is recognizing the problem. Well, the church in America has a very, very deep and real problem. We have found a form of godliness, sort of, but we've denied the power. We can't, we, can't, we can't go on this way. And this is, this is a bit harsh. But Paul ends the passage with, have nothing to do with such people. Well, frankly, that means having nothing to do with ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but I deny, or deny the power of God regularly. It's called unbelief. It's called a lack of faith. Well, I know I'll pray, but is he really going to do anything? It's debatable, but could we possibly be living in the last days? Based on this description from Paul? Tick the boxes, people. We're living in a darkness today in this country that I didn't imagine ever. I am shocked, literally shocked at the speed of the decline of godliness in America. I mean, I, I saw that the, te- you know, the trends are all there, but, but, but you think it's going to take a while. It's been like two or three years. <laughs> this airplane is augering in from 30,000 feet. It's a rapid, profound decline. And underneath it all, I don't care what the sociologists say and all the isms and everything else. Underneath it all, it's really a simple thing. We've wandered away from God. We've wandered away from God. We're not living his principles. We're not living in belief in his power. And we're not even believing what the problem is of evil. We are in deep, deep trouble. And I think it grieves you as much as it grieves me. There has to be a solution to this. And there is form of godliness denying its power. This problem of a form of godliness denying its power isn't new. The Apostle Paul faced this in his ministry. And he wrote about it like this. When he wrote the church in Corinth, he said, you guys have heard me preach on this before because it's so important. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom and eloquence and a presentation and a fabulous worship team with the best sound system in the city, etc., 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 and great programs for your kids, etc., etc., etc. No, not on human ability, but on God's power. That's the solution. That we become a people who are relying continually on God's power and never in our own abilities to accomplish anything. Because frankly, let's, let's, let's assume that we succeeded. Let's assume that we started a church with the very best people you can find. The best minds, the best abilities, business acumen, etc., etc., etc. And let's say we built... The most powerful church in the city. We built the, not most powerful, the biggest, the most influential. Right? And we got our names in the paper and we were known around the world. And it was based on our ability to do our best for God. What do we ended up with? Human potential. We've accomplished something for God that's wonderful in our eyes because we fulfilled our human potential to please the Lord. But that's not what pleases the Lord. You miss the boat boat because the boat is not what I can do, but what he can do. Not my abilities, but his abilities in me. What we're looking for, folks, is a group of people that are so screwed up and worthless that no one could ever imagine them accomplishing anything because they're such a pack of losers. It is encouraging because it means there's access for every loser to succeed because the Holy Spirit's involved. So then you end up with a church that can't be explained in human terms. I don't know. Their worship is frankly not very good. My son. My son. I'm teasing. But, you know, you can say, well, the worship's not very good. The children's program is mediocre. Blah, 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 blah. You know, there's a bunch of losers and there's no really successful people in the church. And, and I, you know, I, but, but there's this thing when I walk in the room. What the heck was that? I got, there's no explanation. It doesn't make any sense. there are a bunch of losers. But I, I walked in there and it's like, I felt something I never felt before, yeah. this warmth in my chest. I don't know why, but I was crying during the worship. I don't know why I was crying during the worship. Something just came over me, and it's so good, but it can't be because they're losers. Yeah. And this thing over here was so good, but they're, they're, they're nothing special. They're nothing special. They're just in love with someone who is. Amen. And they have the power of that living inside of them. And they hunger like crazy that every every Sunday, God, please, I don't care what else you do, but would you please show up and be here and give us your presence? Because really, that's... Well, yeah, you, the rest of the days are fine, but I worry about Sundays. All of it. Just give me your presence. The day we start hungering for his presence ahead of everything else is the day everything changes. For righteousness, for him. Seek after him and all these other things will be added to you. So Paul, he just explained it to the Corinthians. He said, look, it's not about me, it's about him. And I don't want your faith to rest on a great message Look, if someone can talk you into Jesus, someone else can talk you out of him. But an experience of Jesus you cannot deny. You see? Your faith must be based on truth, but it must also be based on an experience of truth. So you can't be talked out of it. That's what we're looking for when we meet. Give me something. (laughs) This is great. Give me something I can't explain to him. I can't tell you why it happened. I don't know. It was him. It was God, but I can't explain it. I don't know what causes him to come. I don't know what causes him to stay. I don't know why he chose to do that one thing, but wasn't it the best thing that ever happened to you? Wasn't that absolutely great? Don't you want more? Isn't that all that matters? Here's what's interesting about this passage where Paul says, I didn't come with a bunch of eloquence and abilities. I came with a demonstration of the power of the Spirit so that your faith won't rest on me and my excellence, but on his power. What's revealing about this is that just before Paul went to Corinth, he was in Athens, right? right? He was in Athens. Now, Athens is the place where great debate takes place. This is where all the finest intellects gather over a Starbucks coffee and talk about isms. Publius. Publius coffee. Have a Caesar. It's on me. So this is what he's coming. He's coming to Athens. And believe me, Paul is brilliant. He's super educated. He's really smart. He's coming to his own kind now. I'm going to be with these guys and we're going to debate Jesus. And I'm going to present him. I'm going to smash and demolish all their stupidisms. And, and it's going to be absolutely awesome. And I'm finally amongst a people I can really understand. I mean, these guys over here, these fishermen and stuff, these kind of characters. But these people in Athens, I mean, these are the minds. This is, this is the New York City of the ancient world. This is the place where all the thoughts happen. So he goes to Athens, and, and this is, I love this. He preaches this sermon. No, hand, no, no question, it's brilliant. In fact, a lot of Bible teachers and theologians say it's the greatest sermon ever preached. And it, as when I was an evangelical, uh, I was told this was the greatest message ever preached. You'll never, never surpass this message. So he preaches it, and that's what he relies on. No converts no healings, no church. It's the only place he went where a church didn't result. It was a big, fat zero. And now he goes to Corinth, hello, saying in his mind, I'm not going to do that again. And he says this, I didn't come with eloquence, no sermons, no no great this or that. I'm just coming with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And every church, every place he went to after that, it was a church based in the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. Every single one. As you read the rest of the book of Acts and his and his epistles, you find out that every single church he visited after Athens was a Holy Spirit-birthed church. I had a personal experience of, of this when I took a team to northern Russia in 1992. We went up to the Kola Peninsula, where the large Soviet submarine base is in Murmansk in a little town outside of Murmansk. It was, the locals told us, the Christians that we found, that we worked with, said this is the place in the Soviet Union, in Russia, where you come to if you're running from the law, or you're running from debt, or you're hiding from something, you come and you live here. It was desperate. You have never seen anything like this. I could tell you stories you wouldn't believe. So we were there working with some YWAM people and we're going to hold three nights of meetings in this town. And the first night of the meeting I preached a really, really good intellectual message. And nothing whatsoever happened. Nobody became a Christian. I laid out the gospel, I did the whole nine yards. No, No changes, nothing, no converts and I went to bed that night and I felt absolutely terrible and I apologized I said Lord I just I operated in my own strength and I did what I thought I ought to do and it was horrible and I said please forgive me but don't waste the next two nights what do you want me to do and the Lord spoke very clearly to me as I'm lying in bed and he said Preach my power and do it. Preach my power and do it. So the next night, we were praying for people, and a girl came forward who was blind in one eye. And uh, she, she could see a little bit, but not much. She was due for surgery two months from when we were there. And we prayed for her for, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. At the end of 15 or 20 minutes, she was seeing almost perfectly. It was the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. And when we shared that with the people and they saw what had happened, the faith in the room just exploded. And then I started to preach the gospel. And I explained explained to them, I, I, I promised myself... I will not oversell the gospel. It will not be a prosperity message. I said, Jesus died for your sins. You get to know him. When you die, you're going to get to, to be with him forever. But your life right now is probably going to get worse. You're probably going to lose your apartment. You'll probably lose a job. Family members will, t- will turn on you, and you're going to be an outcast in the eyes of the government. So if you're thinking Christianity is a solution to all these problems, it isn't. What it is, is you get to know God. Now, how many of you want to get saved? How many of you want to accept Jesus as your personal Savior? Stand up. The whole room stood up. Oh, it gets better. I was undone. I'm like, I made a mistake. I've oversold it, told them how good it is. They don't understand what I'm talking about, so I need to do this again. So I said, start again. So I made the gospel even worse. I made it as bad as I, I just, I wanted legit conversions, not people just, you know, emotional something or others. So I explained it again, and I said, okay, how many of you want to get saved? And the same number stood up. And I said, Lord, I, I was undone. It was the weirdest thing. I said, Lord, what's going on? This isn't right. It's not supposed to work. No, my experience is not like this. I said, what's going on? What's wrong? And he spoke to me. He said, ask them this question. How many of you have ever heard anything like what I'm telling you before in your life? So I said, how many of you have ever heard anything like this before in your life? There's 250 people there. Five hands went up. I've heard this before. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, this is a real thing like they've never heard this before and they want to get saved. So I said come forward and get saved. Well, when they all came forward, it was it was like a like an auditorium with a stage, an elevated stage and then all these seats. And when they all came forward, there was not enough room at the front to put them. So I said come on up on the stage. It's a very big stage. We've got we've got room in the stage. So they all came up on the stage. And they went to the back of the stage facing forward. And I said, okay, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you're going to become Christians. So as I start to do that, there's three teenage boys at the back of the room, leaning against the back wall. And as I'm talking, they're elbowing each other and having fun. You know, like they're throwing little punches, and they're, they're, they're just messing around. And I got really offended. I got mad, actually. And in my mind, I, I had a speech for them, and I was rehearsing, saying... I didn't ask you to do this. I didn't ask you to get up here. I didn't ask you to become a Christian. If, you, you know, if you're not going to take it seriously, why don't you just leave? Like, I'm mad. And I'm about to say it, and God goes, leave him alone and watch. I said, okay, fine. So I'm, I, everybody else gets saved. And then I said, now, I don't want this to be an intellectual thing, and that's all it is. I want you to understand that what you did is real. So right now, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and give you evidence that what you just did is real. Holy Spirit, please come. Give them evidence that what you did is real. People start crying. People start shaking. And I look at the back, and those three teenage boys, the guy in the middle, (laughs) is going like this. And the power of God just hit him. And he's shaking like this, and he falls on the ground, and he can't get up. And his friends are staring at him like, what was that? And I'm laughing. I'm like, <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom, kidney punch, boom. And, and, and it went on. We prayed for all these people for fe- healing. A bunch of people got healed of things. Uh, a lot of people weeping and falling on the ground. A real, a real holocaust of love. And uh, everyone leaves, and now the only people is our team and these three teenage boys. And I'm watching them because this is entertaining, you know. And uh, they pick him up. He can't walk. He can't, he can't get up off the ground. He's undone, completely overwhelmed by the power of God. And these two guys, they pick him up, and they got him in the middle, and they're carrying him like he's sort of dragging his feet, and they're just pulling him along. They go out of the building. I followed them to watch. They go out of the building, down the steps, down the pathway to the road where the bus comes. They're holding him up like this, waiting for the bus. The bus comes. The door opens like this. They drop him in. He goes, boom! The door's closing. Off he goes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, that kid will never think there's... He'll never doubt the existence of God again. Okay, so the next night... We come back to hold some more meetings and we saw some more amazing things. The kid, the guy has come back with his friends and there's 20 of them sitting in the back. Brought all his friends, I mean, all his friends because he had experienced the power of God and no one is going to talk him out of that. He got a demonstration. His, he was birthed into a supernatural life by the supernatural Holy Spirit. And man, he's so excited, he just drags his friends in. Yeah. They drug him out, they drug and he drug them back. <laughs> he made sure all of them were there. And there was no mocking in this business. It's like, wow. Paul recognized the problem of a powerless religion. But he, fortunately, he also recognized the solution. And here's Paul's solution. This is where we're going to start to apply it to our lives. So pay attention. This is, this is going to be good. What is the solution to a powerless life? What's the solution to not having a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? What's the solution? Here's Paul's solution. And you guys know it. Follow the way of love and eagerly eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, we all know it. And these gifts he's referring to, he's already listed in the book, in the letter prior to this. He's, He's outlined them. And they're all the gifts of supernatural power. So in a short sentence... is the solution to a religion without power eagerly Eagerly, and now you see this is this is we go to the eagerly desire part too soon follow the way of love Love and love first follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts why This is particularly appropriate for our church, and I'm going to speak prophetically about GPC now. The Lord would say to us this, you have followed the way of love. This is one of the most loving communities I've ever been in in all of my years as a Christian. I've told people this when I travel. And it's, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. But I tell them this. I say, there, there's not one person in that church I don't like. You, you don't know how hard that is. I mean, you think with a collection of people, you're going to find somebody you don't like. I'm looking. I haven't found you yet. Give me time. I will. But <laughs> as matters stand now, this is a community of genuine love. I say this, they say, what's your church like? And there's three things I always talk about you about. And the first one is authenticity. What you see is what you get. There's no religious posturing here. You're just who you are. It has integrity and authenticity. The second is your love for each other. This is truly a loving family. And the third one is the presence of God in our meetings. His sweet, gentle, loving presence. We have, and the Lord says this, you have followed the way of love. But this I want of you. I want you to eagerly desire more of my Holy Spirit. He wants to display His power through us. Now listen. Because love without power leaves love incomplete love without power is unable to fulfill the desires of love follow the way of love but you've got to go after power why because power without love is utterly corrupting and ultimately leads to evil but love without power can only bring comfort without change come on get it think it through Power without love is ultimately corrupting its, its evil. not that's Satan. Lots of power, no love. But love without power is unable to bring about the desires of love. It can comfort, but it can't bring change. And God wants to add change, transformation, freedom. God, freedom. He wants to add that to our lives and to this church. Paul's answer to the problem of love without power is contained in the phrase, eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here is what it means. Because we need to understand this. If we're supposed to eagerly desire something, what does that mean to eagerly desire something? It's too easy to say and not not easy to understand. So let's dig into it. What does it mean to eagerly desire something? Here is what the verb means. Aggressively chase like a hunter. It actually comes from the root to hunt. To go after and get a hold of and bring home. To catch. Earnestly pursue. With all haste. It's a burning desire, people. It's a burning desire for more of God's power in your life. And this phrase is communicating a serious hunger for God's power in his life. He's telling us to increase our desire for the supernatural flow of God in our lives. It's not a desire that sits still and sits around Wait, oh, you know, yes, I desire, I'll just wait till God does something. No, it's a pursuing, yes. hunting, aggressive pursuit. Yes, Lord. Where does this pursuit begin? How do we start this pursuit of God's power in our lives? Jesus gives us the answer to this question, and it is wonderful. And you all know the passage, and in pre-service prayer, it's already been quoted twice by other people. So I take that as an affirmation that God's in this message and He wants us to get this. Jesus said this, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit? Stop applying this passage to your lifestyle. It isn't ask, seek, and knock for more money. It isn't ask, seek, and knock for hair. I tried. Did not work. That's not what we're asking and seeking and hungering for. It's not a formula to get more stuff. It's focused on one thing. The Holy Spirit. Ask, seek, and knock for Him. And His gifts. And He will give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Now let's tear this passage down. Because ask, seek, and knock have very different meanings. And they fit perfectly with what Paul is talking about. They dovetail like this and they complete the picture of how we should go after the holy spirit ask ask is simple it's vocal just means use your voice just ask start start with just more holy spirit god give me more of your holy spirit holy spirit come in power fill my life just more just more power lord more holy spirit come on just means ask now seek is interesting it involves physical activity It's a verb that suggests you've got to go after something. Remember the pursuit, the hunting, eagerly desire? It comes from the root word to hunt. This is a pursuit. Jesus is saying, it's not enough to ask. I want you to go beyond asking. I want you to begin physically going after it. What might that look like? To get physically involved in a pursuit for the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? How about this? He starts studying everything the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. You go through the Old Testament, you look at every reference. You go through the New Testament, you look at every reference. You read a book on it. Uh, You can read my book, Reluctantly Supernatural in an Age of Reason. It'll be really helpful. You seek out those who know more about it than you do and start hanging out with them. Take a risk and go where these things are happening. Just show up and see it. Check it out. Do a little research. Expose yourself to the virus. Stop wearing your spiritual anti-Holy Spirit masks. Just lower your protective anti-Holy Spirit masks and just breathe in deeply and see if you can get infected with his presence. It's just an analogy, folks. Don't get all wound up about it. We're not going there. We're not going to talk about vaccines or anything else. We're just. But here's the one that, that to me matters the most. This is about spiritual hunger. Ask, seek, but knock. Now, this word is the the puzzler. This This is where things get interesting, like really interesting. The word knock translates into the often neglected verb to be importunate. Yeah, that's interesting. What does that mean? What does it mean to be importunate? To harass. To literally harass someone persistently for or to do something. Here are the synonyms for this word. Beg, beseech, entreat, implore, plead with, appeal to, apply to, call on, supplicate, solicit, petition and join, harass, pester, beset, press, badger, bother, torment, plague, hound, nag, harry, go on at and harp on. Hello? Come on. Wake up. This is the attitude we're supposed to have with God to go after the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Make, it also translates this way, make a complete and utter nuisance of yourself. Remember in the Old Testament when God said, give me no rest? Yeah. Hello? That's what he's talking about. Don't, don't stop. Go ahead, Meg. Make a nuisance of yourself. Get in my face. Get in my face. Why? Because he's not willing? No, because it's good for us when we get in his face. It awakens spiritual hunger in us. It burns a greater compassion and desire for people to be healed and changed. It it creates a spiritual hunger, which he is the only solution for. It makes us single-minded and focused on something, like a hunter going after the prey. God says, I want you to pursue the Holy Spirit like that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit like that. This is Jesus telling us how to approach Him in prayer. This is Jesus. So we have to take this seriously. What's the state of my spiritual hunger? What's the state of my spiritual hunger? let just be honest about it. Mine was waning quite considerably. Waning. Too many years of unanswered prayers. Too many people sick, not getting well. After a while, it's like, God, I just don't know how long I can go on doing this. Just starting to wane, you know. I mean, honestly, just being real with you. But last Sunday... I got, I got ruined. I got undone. And the application time, Dennis and John said, Dennis and Mark, you're going to come up today and you're going to minister. So I'm standing right there and personal application time and this sadness at my lack of hunger just came over me. I felt terrible. And I apologized to the Lord. I said, look, you just have to help me because I can't help myself. You just have to. You just have to. Please. And the Spirit started to come on me and I started to shake. And I recognized it right away because it hasn't happened for 20 years. And it started to come. And it just built up. And then ministering was like, an explosion of power. I tell you what, folks, it's returned to me a number of times since last Sunday. I'm so happy. So thankful. Because too many lean years, too many unanswered prayers, we need a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Period. That's all we need. We don't need anything else. That's all we need. That's it. That's all we need. Somehow, we have to provoke ourselves to spiritual hunger. As far as it's up to us, we have to say, God, I really want this. I really want more of you. You've got to do this. I don't want to go on like this without more of you. Got to have more of you. Got to have more of you. Spiritual hunger. So why don't you stand up and let's do a little asking. Let's just ask him. Let's, let's start always with him. Let's start with just being honest. This is where I am right now in my life. Maybe you're super hungry for the Lord. Thank him for it because that's not to your credit. That's his. He gives us that passion. He pours out that desire. He fans the flame. But we've got to ask, and we've got to admit the need. If we don't admit the need, what you don't admit the need for, you don't get more of in God's world. It's always an admission of need, and then he responds to it. So just check your heart. Where am I with him? What is my desire? And if you desire more just a little bit, it's like I have a little desire, ask him to increase it. Fan the flame in me, Lord, for passion for you and your power. Because love without power brings comfort without change. And we're hungering to see change. Give him access to your heart right now. Give him permission To go in and fan the flame of your desire and increase it till it's a driving hunger. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of your power flowing through me. Just give it to me, Lord. Just give it to me, Lord. And give it to our church. Manifest your presence so powerfully nobody can confuse where it's coming from. more Lord God more come on come on Lord more give me more I don't know to what degree I can give this away but whatever he's been doing to me for the last week I want to give away what I can give away So if you want to come forward and have hands laid on you just briefly for more of the Holy Spirit's passion, why don't you do that right now? If that's on your heart and and that's your sense, this makes sense, then please come and let me pray for you. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Right before Mark said that, I heard, I am not the God of yesterday, I'm the God of today. Yeah. It's very easy to rest in how God has used us in the past, but He's saying, I'm the God of the now. And, and He wants to do more in all of our lives. It's real easy to say, I'm moving in the Spirit. I need you to move in the Spirit. We all need to move in the Spirit today, now. And He gave me a picture earlier of, of a heart that was like a sponge, just soaking up what He has. He wants us to have a heart like a sponge. Today, Lord.
0: Okay, so open your hands. Open your hands. Open your hands. Father. Lord, more. Fire up passion, Lord. Hunger. Spiritual hunger, Lord. Awaken more spiritual hunger, Lord. Fill him with your Holy Spirit, Fill Him with your
2: Holy Spirit. We receive more, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Come on. More Lord. Hear hunger, fill and Lord, come forth. more, come Lord, more, Lord. more huh? come on, come thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, more, 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 through the skies, yes, heavy with blessing, yes. lift yes. your yes, eyes yes, and offer yes, your heart. Yes, Lord. Jesus Christ, yes, Lord. open on. the heavens. You, now we Lord. receive more Spirit more of God. More passion, more
0: hunger, more hunger, Lord. Spiritual hunger,
2: Lord. More. Lord, Lord. Oh Buried in sorrow, you call for finish time, you are Lord Lord of the harvest, calling our hope now to arise we receive. Like a flood, we receive Never your apologize. love when you come, like a flower. Like a
0: flood,
2: we of receive
0: you your love your when you
2: come, you like you a flood. Like a flood,
0: we receive
2: your love when you
0: come,
2: like a flood. I like a flood.
0: your story is incredible we
2: receive
1: of, we cultivate we're cultivating we're cultivating an atmosphere of expectation and so in times like this um, our, the service is officially at 1130 but we're just facilitators of the Holy Spirit so if you need to go or want to go, you're free you can slip out and fellowship out there that way not in here, okay, because we don't want to break an atmosphere that we've cultivated. through we worship, through preaching. The Holy Spirit's here. You can stay here and we're just going to worship. You can kneel. You can stand. You can sit. You can come up for prayer. But we're just going to continue to worship. You're welcome to continue with us. Online community, the Holy Spirit can touch you right there just like He's touching us here. It's happened to me. I sat on the couch during worship watching this, met this service a few weeks ago and the Spirit of God came upon me. Malika, who's here in the service last Sunday, the Spirit of the Lord came upon her in her apartment. The Spirit of God knows no time or distance. He's available to the hungry. So Spirit of God, come. Increase your presence in this place right now. Increase your presence online right now as we worship Jesus. Let us become Let us become
2: More that could ever come close, nothing can compare. You are living, hope. let's lift it up. Your presence. sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone oh, let's be undone in your presence your presence Lord we're singing Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this It's your presence, Lord Your presence, Lord Let us become Let us become More aware of your presence Let us experience The glory of your goodness Let us become Experience the glory of your let us become let us become more aware of your presence Let us experience the glory of your goodness Let us become more aware of your presence Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here.
1: Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Come on, church, let's let him know he's welcome Your glory, God, is what
2: our hearts long
1: for. To be overcome
2: by your presence, Lord.
1: this is not a one-time experience in the book of acts they were baptized in the holy spirit in chapter two then in chapter four they were filled again with the holy spirit and you see this this continual revolution throughout the whole book of acts and all the way through church history all the way till right now it's our turn of a continual infilling of the holy spirit you don't get a drink of water once a week or once a month or once a year You got to drink water or you'll die in three days. We have to drink of the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over. So, as we're cultivating the presence of the Lord in our gatherings, cultivate it in your own personal time. Join the 30 for 30 prayer. Go online and say, I want to be a part of this. Pick a 30 minute slot every day. Say, This is my 30 minutes. And if nothing else, just sit there in the presence of the Lord and say, I I want to experience more of you. Cultivate the presence of the Lord in your own life and in the connect groups. And then we come here on Sundays and the water level is just going to get higher and higher and we're going to see more and more miracles. Next week, Dennis is going to be preaching. And I'm telling you, this prophet of God brings the power of God. You don't want to miss it. Amen and amen. All right, so there's there's a 101 starting at noon, lunch provided. For those of you going to that, I'll be in there with you in just a little bit. But God bless you. Go in the presence of the Lord.